Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, welcome to the basement. Happy New Year. It's the last time I will say it. I saw my guy on Twitter, dude with sign. You know that legend who just holds up a sign? He says today's the cutoff. There's also an old Larry David take about it, so I'm not saying it tomorrow. Why in the hell not say it today? It feels fun to say. You know what else is fun to say? There's positive updates about Damar Hamlin. The Bills just released something about its status, and it's been kind of fun as we wait, which has not been fun. Wait to see all this outpouring of support and where it comes from. Unexpected places. And we have dollar amounts. Different contributions from different quarterbacks, different teams. It's interesting to look at, and it feels good to look at. We're also going to talk about the Lions. Big game this weekend for the Lions. Unbelievable. January of football for the Detroit Lions. I find it hilarious in a good way. I cannot wait to watch them. I have some thoughts about what's going on over at FS1. I don't do a ton of media takes, but I have some, uh, some things I got off my chest about that. And all kinds of stuff. We have an excellent, an excellent takes on takes today featuring a couple of heavyweights. I think we got Mad Dog versus Coward in takes on takes. All kinds of things to get into. You're in the right place. You're in the basement. It is time for what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Let's go. All right, so if you're really close to it, like I am, you follow NFL really closely, or if you're in Western New York, like I know a lot of you are, yesterday in the morning after the Monday Night Football Bills-Bengals game, I was in football shock. It's the best way I can describe it. I just couldn't believe that I had seen that and that I was seeing the aftermath of it. Watched thousands of football games and never seen that before. Never thought that could happen to someone you were watching on the field. Shock. And then today it's just kind of numb. Uh, it's, it's still totally unpleasant and it's eerie and the silence is frustrating. So anytime we can break through that silence, and it's been a lot of silence over the last nearly 48 hours, it's, it's nice when it sounds like this. The Bills just released something right before we started doing the show right here. The Bills tweet just moments ago from the Buffalo Bills. DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement. Noted yesterday and overnight. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and to treat him. I think that's encouraging. I think, I think it's very encouraging. And honestly, you know, it's been frustrating because... As I said, it's been almost two days now, and a lot of times, whether it's in sports or society, when someone goes through some sort of health crisis like this and they're a public figure, you have that press conference where the doctor in the, in the white jacket or the stethoscope gets up there in front of the microphone and says, uh, what's the condition of Mr. Hamlin and what they're doing and what they were able to do and what they hope to do, and it's informative as hell. We just haven't had that. We have an uncle. We have a guy who runs a marketing agency who is tight with Damar and, and it's been fine we'll take it I, I would love something official and that statement from the bills is the closest we've gotten to something really really concrete that says all right maybe this is going in a positive direction so I love that I also just love what we're seeing I, I gotta tell you social media such an eye roller it can be so annoying I thought it was really cool when all 32 teams changed their official Twitter avatar to the image of his number and saying to pray for Damar, and they did it exactly at three o'clock. It's because he's number three. Um, just thought it was cool. I, I would, I envision this great 
email chain amongst all the people who run social media for the different teams and those people are, are creative and ambitious and someone thought of this and spread it and they all said, yeah, we'll do it. 32 for 32. It's, it's a really, really cool sight to see. I love the sports stadiums around the country. They're changing their colors in honor of him. I saw the Niagara Falls, the lights that were going to go on it are blue and we're looking at the Patriots stadium. You know, it's obviously football rivalries are way out the window, but the Patriots, this is Honoring the Buffalo Bills and their colors. The Miami Dolphins, AFC East, same deal. Hard Rock Stadium, keeping DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills in our thoughts. Blue and red and praying for you, number three. I don't know, it makes me feel good. It, I feel so terrible about DeMar Hamlin, so you see this and you feel good about other people. The Seahawks on the other side of the country, in the other conference, thoughts are with you, DeMar. Their beloved stadium, Lumen Field, that they love, the loudest, their colors. Denver Broncos, same deal. Blue and red. It's cool. It's, listen, it doesn't help in the hospital room, but it helps awareness. And as we've seen, the awareness is something that is helping monetarily. It's helping in a humanitarian sense. And hopefully it's helping his family at least see how inspired everyone is to help him. Jacksonville Jaguars, they're all just all in. It's, it's almost like they all said there was, there was an email chain for the social media people and there was an email chain for the lighting people at the stadiums. And they said, you know what guys, what the hell? Let's change it to blue and red, we can. And let's leave it like that. It's unbelievably cool. Um, Buffalo Sabres. Right there in Buffalo. It's the Sabres and the Bills. They showed up all wearing the same shirts. Love for three into to the arena. And some, someone took the initiative to do that. Let's go out. Let's get these shirts and let's make them. Let's all wear them. And we all have to get, get them and make sure we wear them. I just think it's cool that people care so much because everyone's upset by it. But it's, it takes a lot right now to do anything, to do something. Everyone's got jobs and kids and all these 50 different things they're trying to do every single hour. So say, hold on a second. This is that important. I really need to show our respect and our support for this person who we're pulling for, who is maybe thousands of miles away from where I am in this hospital room in Cincinnati, Ohio, a place that he is not from, a place that he does not live, and a place for his family. It's probably pretty hard to be day after day. How bad do we want an update? How bad do they want an update? So I think it's good to see that. And also it's You've seen this now because it's become this massive viral thing across the nation of all this money that is going towards the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. Damar had this very small, modest, but wonderful thing he tried to do back when he was coming out of college, I believe, and he's trying to get toys for this preschool. It's his family is linked to, and um, well, now they got $6 million. That's a lot of toys, and it's going to go a lot of good places. I find it interesting that Look, you, you look for a little silver linings of levity. It's interesting to see the numbers of who donated what. It's just, it's a, it's a good read. It's like looking at the top score in a video game. Robert Kraft and the Patriots, 18,003. 18, a lot of people are ending it with $3 because of the jersey number. Robert Kraft and the Patriots, 18,003. 18, Washington Commanders, 5,000. Hmm. Houston Texans, 10,003. Commanders, can't. it's great that they don't. Kick it up a little. Matthew Stafford, $12,000. Matthew Stafford, $12,000. Brady, $10,000. Russell Wilson, $10,000. Why is Stafford twelve? That's interesting to me. It's, it, it's not like his jersey number. What is the significance of twelve? I wonder. Why that number? Is he just, honestly, is he just, was it arbitrary? Does it feel right? Is there a part of them that wants to do more than somebody else? Don't you ask these questions when you look at this? The number one takeaway is, that's awesome. Matthew Stafford threw 12,000 bucks at this. That's a lot of money. 12,000. Brady 10, Russell Wilson 10. Chris Jericho, the wrestler and TV personality, he's 10,000. What's interesting about him is he first donated five, 
thank you. But he wrote his name as Cross Jericho. <laughs> like a typo. We've all been there on the phone, the worst. And then so he re-upped and did another five as Chris Jericho. That's the best typo ever. That's a $5,000 typo, but it's $5,000 to a good cause typo. Uh, and it's really cool. Commanders, 5000 Come on, you can do better. I know they spent a lot of money on that mascot thing. What was that guy's name? Major Tutty? Come on, you can do better than that. Um, I don't want to donation shame anybody, but it's a good cause. Also, I just, I, I, last thing I want to say on DeMar Hamlin today, other than I'm just waiting like you guys are, and I'd love to see the tweet from the Bills. I've been searching for DeMar Hamlin content. I just, I want to know everything I can about this person because I find myself thinking about him a lot. And most likely, like yourself, I've never met him. So I found his wing review shows on YouTube and I found all these things about his fashion and, and chasing M's and all that. And then there's like a 25 minute video on YouTube. You can look it up. And it's a day in the draft life. And it's DeMar Hamlin being drafted on his draft day in the 2021 draft. So it's kind of cool. And it's cool in the sense that it tells a lot about him. And you start to see why he is so loved in the locker room because he's just very likable. He's very modest. He's very upbeat. He's very positive. He goes to a big draft party, it looks like, and he's got family and kids and drinks and food. And this is on day two. It's the second and third round. And he sits through the whole two rounds and he's not drafted. But he's not despondent. He's not super down. Even when they end the broadcast as they're watching on these giant screens, you know, they do the thing at the end of the draft day where it says, tune in tomorrow, here's Mel Kuyper's best available, and it'll be like three or four players. He was on the best available, the Kuyper's, like, not drafted, but tune in tomorrow. So then he, he goes home, change outfits, get up in the morning, goes to another draft party, Tamar Hamlin. Another one, it looked pretty similar. He's sitting around, family, mother, father, little brother, all that stuff, food, drinks, TVs. So if he's the best available, you would think, all right, well, day three of the draft, Starts with the fourth round, right? He doesn't go in the fourth. He doesn't go in the fifth. He goes in the sixth. So you're like, oh my God, are we going to have to have another party? But no, he gets a call. And he gets a call from the Bills. And if you've seen enough of these draft call shots, which you probably have, there's this, sometimes they're just kind of chill. Sometimes they immediately break down in tears. And there's always one that I like where the person is so endearing and they just keep saying, sir. And that was Damar Hamlin. You only see one end of the phone conversation, but presumably he's talking to either Coach McDermott or Brandon Bean, and he just keeps saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, sir, yes, sir, thank you, sir, yes, sir, you're not going to regret this, sir, I can't wait to get to work, sir, just everything. And then he turns and he says to his mom's Buffalo Bills, and she freaks out, and then everybody hugs. It's, it's heartwarming. And it's heartbreaking because of where he is now, but it's a reminder, A, this is a human being, who he is, where he comes from, what he represents, and then secondarily to that, that he fits in in Buffalo. Six-round pick, wants to come to work. Yes, sir. No BS. And you can see that that person who's saying, yes, sir, I'll do anything, sir. I'm ready to work, sir. If he's going into an ambulance on the field, that's why those Bills players have that look on his face. That's why we're all sitting around waiting for tweets and information and reports and anything. Because this is a, not only a human being, this is a great human being. And uh, I love the outpouring of love for it. Let's transition sharply, though, shall we, as we listen to Kyle Brandt's basement, or watch, preferable to watch. It's a great visual product. Are you kidding me with this stuff? Let's get to what I hate. So interesting a media thing going on today, and uh, really all this week, it pertains specifically to Fox Sports 1 and their program, Undisputed. 
and specifically a name that I don't mention much. I don't do much of this at all, but the Skip Bayless thing and Shannon Sharp was part of it. I don't know Skip Bayless. I've never met him. Never met him. I don't uh, consume his content. I don't follow him. I don't watch his show. I respect that he's had uh, a very long career, and as I understand it, I respect that he works very hard. What I don't understand is why the people in media or just in the public who claim to hate him, why do they help him? It's a very unique thing in what we do in the Skip Bayless world. I don't know if you follow this. I only did in the periphery, but uh, after the DeMar Hamlin injury, Skip Bayless has a tweet that is uh, poorly timed and tasteless about rescheduling the game, lists late in the season, how can a game of this magnitude, it's crucial in the regular season outcome, and he got a lot of attention. Remember that, a lot of attention. Negative attention, but a lot of attention, and then Shannon Sharp doesn't show up, and it's this, this whole sensation, and people are talking about it. If you like Skip Bayless, and again, I don't know him, and I don't I don't operate myself, my show, or any of my profile as to try to start media wars. I don't do Twitter beef. I have no interest in that whatsoever. I really don't. It's just an interesting thing that goes on in our media as pertains especially to players. If you like Skip Bayless and you're into him, watch the show, retweet it. Absolutely, that's what you're supposed to do. I just don't understand that there's so many people who dislike him. You can just read it in the tweets. I've talked to them. People have observations about media. I talk to athletes off the air. I've seen athletes in interview, in interviews. They don't like them. They hate them. Some people uh, want to hurt them. Like it just goes all sorts of places, and yet they constantly help him. If you look at the thousands and thousands and thousands of replies and retweets and views to that tweet during the game, it's people who don't like him, and people say, "Shut up! You're the worst." D-bag, whatever. I don't know if those people realize that they're really actually helping him. Because whether he's intending to be or not, he is a provocateur. That's the business. You put out content and opinions that get a reaction. And then you go to the bank. That's the way it works. You take a grenade, you bite out the pin, and you toss it onto social media and... Maybe you don't really care if people like it or hate it. You just want them to see it and to click it. I, I, it's, it's a strange thing that people don't understand that they are so angry about him, and yet they don't understand that when they retweet it and say, can you believe this guy? Then everyone, 56 people that follow them, they go and read it and they consume it, and that goes up the views and the likes and everything. Guys, that's how this works. Views, numbers, likes, viewers, ratings, that all matters. So you might have been enraged and offended and triggered by whatever he shared after the DeMar Hamlin injury. And that's fine. What I don't understand is if you are, why would you spread that? That happens all the time. And it's not just the person with 56 followers. If you click on it, it's still up by the way, it's countless people that you recognize, big-time professional athletes who just come in and take a shot, and that helps. Do you know that having this, this, this guy who's a, a pro bowler or a hall of famer or a household name or someone with four million followers reacting even negatively, even over the top negatively, 
You do that and you think you're telling him off. No, you're helping him buy a house in the mountains. That's the way that works. His employers at Fox, very smart people who I'm sure don't condone what he said either and don't condone a lot of what he said. But they like selling ads. And as long as it's not something grotesquely offensive that's going to get those ads taken away, and this is close, they're trying to sell tires and trucks and soda and beer like we all are. So it, that helps. How many people, you take the number of people who watched, the number of people who retweeted, the number of people who looked at it, and you sit down with Chevrolet or whoever the hell you want and say, these are pretty profound numbers, don't you think? And they're like, wow, yeah, that's great. You want a huge check? Yes. And those numbers are coming from people who hate him, who want him to suffer and lose. It's the strangest thing to me. It's not just Twitter. I see blogs. I see media columns. I see all of these different forms of media who say, oh, this is so terrible. And can you believe it? And he's doing it again. It's just so bad. And what has become of media? What has become of television? And it's a long blog about it. And it's click, 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 click. That's helping him. So listen, if you like him, of course, write about it aggregate it, do everything. I'm not saying not to, I don't consume it. I stay away from it, it's, it's not my thing. But I don't understand why, you, that you don't understand, that it's actually helping. And it's gone on for a long, 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 long time. A long time. It's well past farce at this point. And sometimes I see people who I think are really sharp and who I respect. Sometimes it's pro athletes, sometimes it's media people. And you see the retweet and you see the comments that can just be like, someone shut this guy up. And I just say, ah, oh, why would you do that? If you want him to shut up, ignore him, unfollow him, don't retweet him, do the opposite of that. I mean, it's not just a Skip Bayless thing, obviously, it's a lot of people. Look, maybe it's me, I, I, I hope not, but maybe it's me. But if you hate me, don't spread it. It's, it's, um, it's this snake chasing its tail type thing. And the snake eating the tail over and over that I hate this thing, I hate this thing. Well, you're, you're actually part of it. And I think the other night was like the very apex of that. And that people were so angry that they decided, you know what, I'll reward this person. Because there's nothing punitive. I think that you think that, well, we're gonna get him canceled or we're gonna get him thrown off, or we're gonna get him huge trouble. I don't think so. I really don't. Not at this point, not for that, it's above that. And the reason he's above that and the reason people of his ilk are above that is because so many people react to what they say and so many of them are negative. If you don't like it, whether it be that person or somebody else, I hate that you help it. I don't understand it. I've said that 50 times during this rant because I'm pulling my hair out over it. Let's get to what's hilarious. It's really hilarious that I'm looking forward to a Lions game and it's Czech's calendar, January 4th. It's awesome though. I mean, it really is. I, I can't believe we're actually here. It never seemed like it was gonna happen. Even when they were starting to make that comeback and they were starting to play a good brand of football and they're winning, like, yeah, they'll fall apart again. And then they get crushed by the Panthers and you're like, there it is, fun run. But then they win easily last week and now, Lions at Lambeau for a playoff spot. It's hilarious to me, and I'm not mocking it. I just, I'm almost, <laughs> I'm, I'm incredulous about it. 
I can't believe it. I'm almost, I feel like someone is messing with me. Dan Campbell shows up, button kneecaps. Amazing. We talked about it for a year. Almost ready to punch his ticket. Jared Goff. Jared Goff on the Lions was supposed to be Matt Ryan on the Colts. You just think, wow, he got off the McVay Express. McVay's on a rocket to Mars and he's going to run this league. And he just dumped Jared Goff. Not only did he dump him, he dumped him with Detroit. And now Jared's got to move from LA to Michigan. And he's going to take over this, you know, this awful team with this crazy Metallica roadie as their head coach. Ugh. And now here we are, week 18. Beat the Packers and Rodgers again for the second time this year, and you go to the playoffs. It's very, very cool. And it's even cooler when you know that in order for the Lions to get into the playoffs, they do need help. They need to beat the Packers, but you know who they need to win to get in the playoffs? They need the Rams to win. How about that? They need McVay to win over the Seahawks, which is just, it's, it's a cool moment for Jared Goff. Listen, I'm not a massive Jared Goff fan. I just can't be because there's not a ton of personality and the football has been good here and there, but you know what? I probably should be. He's a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. He's a, by all accounts a great person in the community and he's played great football this year. Do you know how good he's been? Do you know, you know Jared Goff? And you have your opinion of Jared Goff and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe Brant is talking this much about Jared Goff. I don't care. Over the last eight weeks, you know how many interceptions he's thrown? Zero. Zero. He's thrown 15 touchdowns and zero interceptions in eight weeks. He's playing Rodgers this weekend at Lambeau and all the focus is on Rodgers and I love watching Rodgers. Jared Goff has been playing significantly better than Rodgers for the last two months. Significantly. How about that? Two guys from Cal, two guys who have been around, one longer than the other, but a number one overall pick and a guy who should have been a number one overall pick and Goff has been playing much better than them. It's amazing. And then the ties continue. I can't wait for this game. Jamal Williams, former Packer. Former Packer, now Lions. Feels like he scored 50 touchdowns this year. Jamal... You know he's a quote machine. And I like that he's known for more than just the quotes. He just keeps scoring this year. He's been great, especially in the red zone. He was asked if he heard his former teammate Aaron Rodgers making comments about being able to beat the Lions. And here's what Jamal Williams had to say. Oh. You talked about? I don't watch TV. You don't watch TV? You didn't hear about it? I don't, I'm trying not to cuss. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to play football and go home. But you're holding me holding me right now. I just want to go home and play Pokemon. We... Go home and play Pokemon? Yeah. Um, Pokemon. Yeah. Don't do that. You can't disrespect Pokemon like that. Pokemon. Pokemon. Mon. Right. You sound I, like I got old. my nephew some Pokemon cards. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what cards you got on. They must have sucked because you, you calling them Pokemon. <laughs> but it's a fine. Never mind. I'm off topic. Come on. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's amazing. Did someone actually say Pokemon? I didn't hear it. It's, it's Pokemon is Pokemon combined with Pac-Man. But whoever cards he had must have sucked because you called him Pac-Man. Listen, you know, it's like, it's kind of relatable in a sense. You take your standard um, working class man or woman who goes a nine to five and earns money for their family. Inevitably, they just want to get to work, go home, and play Pokemon. Like, that's all anybody wants. Cold beer hot dinner, a little time with the kids, dog at their feet, and play Pokemon. That's all he's asking. He's like, I, I don't, what did Rogers say? I don't care. I, I don't, can I just, 
I just want to play Pokemon. That's all I, that's all I want to do. I want to win the game, score a touchdown. We're going to go to the playoffs because the Rams beat the Seahawks. I'm going to go home and do my little cards with their little power. I don't speak Pokemon. My son's becoming obsessed with them. And I, it's just, I don't know any of it. I, if he had the old 8-bit Nintendo games instead of Pokemon cards, I'd be all over it. He has these cards. He asked me to play them. I don't know how to do it. I think he gives me the crappiest cards, and then he just beats the hell out of me. And even if he gave me the good ones and he had the crappy ones, he would still beat the hell out of me because I don't know how the game is played. Uh, Jamal Williams does. And that's going to be the guy who, listen, he's going to go in, beat, beat Lambo, and then just play Pokemon, not Pokemon cards on the bus. It's a very, very likable team. Very likable team. Do, are they going to win in Lambo? I don't know. <laughs> Rodgers was bringing up some stats and some history recently about dome teams that come to Lambeau in December and January, like the Vikings did last week, who are a dome team and got shellacked, like the Lions are this week, who are a dome team. Well, I don't think they'll get shellacked, because they play tough and they run now, and the offense has been really good. And like I said, Jared Goff hasn't been making the big mistakes. But man, I don't know. I think I might like the Packers in that game. I'll tell you tomorrow. And in the meantime, um, do you want to do some takes? No. Do you want to do some takes on takes? I think we should. Along with the restaurants that you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. You get drinks, you get snacks, other household items in under an hour. For a limited time, our listeners can get 50% off up to a $20 value and $0 delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BASEMENT. That is code BASEMENT for 50% off up to $20 value, $0 delivery fees with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. All right, pick a card, any card. I got a nine, I got an eight, I got a five, I got a 10 that I've never given out. Will today be the day? I don't know. Takes on takes, we round up some takes from the take verse, and then I listen to them and I score them, one through 10, based on the categories of delivery, creativity, and heat. Delivery, creativity, heat. There can only be one, whoever I name is the best take, and I'll give my take on it, whoever has the highest number wins. First up, we're heading to the volumes, Colin Coward podcast, where Colin, as the take, oh, before I get to it, Colin Coward, just so you know, three appearances in takes on take. He is only one and two. He has a single win in three appearances, and he averages a score of 6.3 out of 10. So Colin is going to try to get his second win in his fourth appearance, and he has a take on the future of the Dolphins quarterback position. Tua and Teddy, the tandem, are small, prone to inavailability. Tua with concussions, Teddy with other injuries. Neither one able to push the ball down the field. So we're in an era of Herbert Burrow, Allen Mahomes. Big physical quarterbacks. Um, Tua doesn't, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't feel like the guy. And I was thinking watching Kirk Cousins. Say what you want about Kirk Cousins. He's always available. Remember, Mike McDaniel, the coach of Miami, where'd he come from? San Francisco. Whose offense does he run? Kyle Shanahan's. Who did Kyle Shanahan want in San Francisco two years ago? Kirk Cousins. This offense is about a distributor. That's why I think McDaniel likes Tua. He's just not available. He's small. We have a major 
and very serious concussion issue with Tua. Minnesota needs draft capital. I think Minnesota looks at their division and thinks Aaron's better. Goff is actually better and more talented. And Justin Fields is emerging as a star if he can stay upright with a dysfunctional Bears organization. <laughs> he really talks you in with that low voice. Colin has a different podcast voice than he does radio voice. He does. It's, it's all here. Tua. Unavailability. Is a, I, I'm, I'm sort of lured and lulled by it a little bit. Also, I was distracted over his left shoulder. I think he has a video monitor of like a security camera in his driveway. That's pretty impressive. Do you need that in the shot? Maybe I misread it. Um, all right. So good delivery. That's always with Colin. He's been doing radio for years and years and years. Those guys are the best at delivering. Um, the heat, I, I think maybe. And then good creativity. Yeah, sure. I, I, he got into the weeds with the quarterback stuff and Mike McDaniel, and he's been saying basically Tua, his days are numbered, it's not going to work out. It, listen, it's too bad because the season has an asterisk almost. It's like Tua was playing well for the most part and it was really working, and then just this massive cataclysmic concussion earlier in the season, then another one knocks it out. When you grade Tua this year, can you really give them an A, A, B, C, D, or is it more like an incomplete? I don't know. But the fact that you can't give them an A, B, or C, are you going to continue with them? I don't know. We're going to see what McDaniel feels like. He's coming from a place where he had Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback, who also was injured a lot and limited. And then he's now he's got Tua, who's injured a lot and probably a little bit limited. I don't know. He went into all kind of Kirk Cousins stuff, too. I, I, I'm going to... I was I think I was found myself a little distracted in that and I like when Colin works more in metaphors. So I'm looking for this number and I hate to do it. This is really gonna hurt. I'm gonna give him a four. Colin, I love you. I've worked with you before, it'd be very cool. I was at a party with you last year. Nice guy to talk to. Very welcoming. Uh, I think he has better takes in him. That's not gonna help his six point three average. But does it leave the door open for our next combatant? I was just a little confused by that one. Uh, ESPN's first take. You won't believe it. We have one from first take here. Oh, the Mad Dog. El Perro Loco Christopher Russo is asked. Hold on. I keep forgetting. Two appearances for Russo and takes on takes. 500. One and one. And he averages a five. All right. So all he needs to beat a four is just a bat for average. Just knock a single up the middle and you get a win. His topic whether Dak Prescott's interceptions are the biggest concern. For the Cowboys. Go ahead, Mad Dog. Dallas has karma issues. McCarthy, oh, karma. Prescott, the defense. Karma. Always something with Dallas happens mm-hmm. in the big Black game. Blackhead. Blackhead. They have that. They got well, it. What's they, their bad karma, though? Well, I mean, Des Bryant has the catch in Green Bay. Yeah, they call so, it a not catch. They okay. lose the game. Last year, they screw up the game against San Francisco yeah. because they don't know the rule. Last play of the game. Yeah. That's a game they should have won. Game earlier against Green Bay at home. Rodgers makes an incredible throw. He's going left. He throws the ball right. Dudley catches the ball. Uh, the tight end catch. I think it was Dudley. Maybe it was Cook. Uh, tight catches the ball right near the sideline. Goes out of bounds. And, and Green Bay kicks the field goal. There is always something that happens to Dallas. Look at this year. The Jacksonville game. He throws the terrible interception. There's always something goes on with the Cowboys. So I don't want to pin it all on Prescott. He's part of it. But with Dallas, McCarthy, 
Jerry Jones. There's a reason why they've won one playoff game in it since Jimmy Johnson. I never trust him. <laughs> why am I smiling through that whole clip? I'm kind of like Stephen A. <laughs> Sitting there just grinning. I, I, right off the bat, he had me. Because I, I don't see these clips, guys, until you see them. So I know that all I know is that it says he's going to talk about Dak's interceptions. I feel we're going to have old Dak conversation. All right. I've had that a thousand times. What's Russo's take on it? Oh, no. <laughs> we're going to talk karma. And it, that's not the problem isn't that Dak has thrown an interception in six straight games, and he has 14 despite missing a large chunk of the season. Ah, that's, that's nothing. It's karma. <laughs> what? What? What are we talking about? It's some sort of voodoo, black magic? Is There's a curse? And then Stephen A. chimes in with the black cat? I don't... I don't... If they step on a crack, do they break their mother's back? I love it. Like, I mean, it's definitely hot. It's, it's not that their defense played much better in the first half of the season. It's not that Dak keeps going colorblind every time he passes. It's not that they're going to run into an NFC team that might be hot and beat him karma karma and then they just go to the routine where you just list their last playoff losses at the loss to the packers with rogers to jared cook that wasn't weird it was just the the packers were better than them they made more plays what, what that's not karma that's just football but see i'm i'm kind of shooting down the take in takes on takes that's a good thing because that means there was heat on it and that means i'm amused by it and as we sit here with one game left in the regular season to say the Cowboys' biggest concern is not Dak Prescott's inaccuracy or the shortcomings of Mike McCarthy or the overpromising and overpromoting of Jerry Jones or their underachieving defense. Karma. That's a seven. I probably should give it an eight, but I already have the seven out. It's hard to find the eight. And all he needed was a five. A seven to four. Wasn't that seven to four? Colin. Colin gets boat raced by three points. I think that's probably the largest uh, margin we've had of victory in takes on takes. I'm very excited. Can you imagine the takes we're going to have when the Cowboys lose that play? I mean, when they have this great playoff run all the way. To I cannot wait for the takes. That'll be the best takes on takes ever. In the meantime, let's go to uh, the best producer ever. That's right. I said it. That's Michael Flynn, and we do a segment about headlines called Brant Awareness. There he is. Karma, Flynn. Karma is good here in Kyle Brandt's basement, I think. It, it's very good. What I loved about the take, and it was classic Mad Dog, if you're somebody who's listened mm -hmm. to him your whole life, um, he, he never explained why they have bad karma. Like, you have to give a reason for why they have that. He, he just said karma. Yeah. And like you said, listed for like a minute bad things that have happened to the Cowboys. You were looking for them to say like, oh, you know, the Red Sox traded Babe Ruth or something, and that's the reason why? Yeah, I, w I would have been looking for it, but it's Mad Dog, and you can't look for anything with him uh, other than the. Actually, there are a few things you can look for: uh, name mispronunciations. You can look for one he did where he said a tight end, but then he went to. Oh wait, no, maybe it was that other tight end. He's good for a couple of those every time. No doubt. I'm actually disappointed he didn't like. Normally, I I, I look for a very very old reference. Like I, I, the fact that the name Roger Staubach did not come out of his mouth is a little disappointing. That would have got him an eight or a nine. But yeah. what do we got in the headlines today? 
Let's start with the Giants, and maybe Daniel Jones is better than what we've been giving him credit for. A report from Go Long reveals that during training camp, Brian Dayball designed practices so that Jones would look bad and backup QB Tyrod Taylor would look good. This involved giving defensive coordinator Wink Martindale the offensive game plan when Jones was behind center, and Jones didn't flinch. Dayball said he used the exercise to evaluate Jones's mental toughness. Kyle, your Hmm. thoughts? Interesting. It reminds me of like in um, like in Bull Durham when Costner tips the pitches for Nuke Lelouch and tells the batters, let's get get Flynn back in here. Let's just cut to the bottom line. This is an amusing little anecdote. Uh, Are you into this guy, Daniel Jones? Are you fired up? Because the Giants fans are taking a victory lap about we got our guy. Are you sure? I'm still very, very skeptical. He doesn't seem like the guy and like you need to build a huge team around him if you have a born quarterback you need to build a huge team around him and he's got no name wide receivers the only name wide receiver he has isn't very good wide receiver anymore so it's hard to evaluate it but then you've got Saquon saying that he shows up and he when Saquon shows up Daniel Jones is the only person who's there before him so like the guys in there love him Mm. the fans love him I don't know Mm. it's weird yeah, I, I I don't love him. I like him. I, I've been very clear on that. The story, Dable, seeing if he's mentally tough, was that entirely necessary? Like, he's mentally tough. He just got through a season with Joe Judge. What? You, yes, he's mentally tough. What was he? Do you understand that that he was like, all right? So on the second play of the team period, we're gonna throw a 68 right zone power toss, uh, deep shot. And then he goes to Wink and says, just so you know, on play two, we're going to go to the skinny post over the middle. Intercept it. And I want to is that how they went? That's, that's, that's dirty pool. I guess so. But, I mean, I guess it worked. Is this the geniusness that's going to make Brian Dayball the coach of the year? Like, is this just how this guy operates? Mm, I don't know. I saw a cool article today. I think it was from The Athletic that the coach of the year should be Mike Tomlin if he gets in the playoffs. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool because he did it with a rookie and Trubisky and he lost TJ Watt for like six weeks. But to put a cap on that, I would just say Brian Dable, look, whatever he did worked because they're sitting there in the playoffs and God bless him. But he got through a season with Joe Judge. He got through a season the year before that. He's out there with no wide receivers. He's still standing and breathing and he has you guys in the playoffs. So yeah, he's mentally tough. So it worked. Yeah, uh, let's move on. Keep talking quarterbacks. Former NFL QB and current NFL Network analyst David Carr came to the defense of his brother Derek after he was benched by the Raiders. He explained his brother has been fully invested in the Raiders amidst six different head coaches, multiple big names being traded, all while also bringing in his good friend Devontae Adams. David also made a point in saying that his brother, who has a no-trade clause, was going to, quote, look for teams that have a stable situation between their head coach and ownership, end quote. Kyle, what do you make of Carr's comments? Well, listen, it's his brother. You know, I, David Carr's a colleague of mine. We're at the NFL Network together. I see him at the uh, like the annual summit. Impressive physical specimen. Huge guy, incredible hair, very articulate. And you're like, God, this is the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I'm impressed. He looks like The Bachelor. And I mean that as a compliment, like awesome suit. The Derek Carr thing is hard. When he was benched, even here on the show, it's complicated, and everything David Carr was saying is right, that he has been through so much BS, and the different coaches and GMs, and all the different terrible players they've tried that haven't worked, and it, none of that is wrong. 
But then I ultimately just come down to nine years, one playoff game. Nine years, zero playoff wins. Not three or four, six years. Nine. So, look, I, I don't think Derek Carr should be dragged through the mud. I think he'll catch on somewhere. Here's, Derek Carr is really well-liked as a human being, talented, and um, still young, relatively. He'll catch on somewhere, like, and, and as a starter. You want to know why Derek Carr will become a starter? Look at Carson Wentz this year. Carson Wentz was handed a team that was playoff caliber in terms of their roster. Now, he blew it, but he's like, yeah, you can be the starter. He, no, not even a competition. Carson Wentz, starter. Matt Ryan and the Colts, starter. Philip Rivers and the Colts the year before that, starter. Like, th those guys who are proven and who have that much experience and really that much talent, they'll get a job somewhere. Derek Carr, I mean, is it going to work? I don't know. But after that, it'll be no more excuses. I hope it happens. I hope it works. I hope he goes to a team with a great coach-owner relationship with 50 different Pro Bowl wide receivers with the best defense of all time. And then it's like, he still doesn't win. And, and well, then it's like, well, then we have nothing else to say. Because I would like to see no more excuses with Derek Carr. And as a good guy, he'll probably catch on somewhere else. But listen, my brother could light a school bus on fire and I'd be like, I love my brother. He's great. He hasn't had help. He, I understand where he was going from. So David Carr, like, you got to take it that way. I'll put you on the spot. You have a good team, but you need a quarterback. Who are you taking, Derek Carr or Daniel Jones? <sighs> Can I take Jimmy Garoppolo? No. Uh, I, I, Carr, I think. <laughs> I think Carr. I, I just come back to this one thing. There's, a, there's this player that I used to work with that I text with sometimes. Defensive player, Flynn, from the NFL. And we sometimes will just text about headlines or whatnot. And his take was on Carr. He's like, he doesn't scare me at all. There are a handful of guys in the league that when I'm up five points on defense and they got a minute 30 left and one timeout, I'm like, oh, that's the guy. He's totally going to get us. I, I see Carr walk on the field and I'm like, oh, we got this thing. So, I mean, this is a guy who's been around. He's got skins on the wall. So, I don't know. And the answer is neither. At least Jones is younger. And for not for, he's really cheaper, but not for long. I don't want either of those guys. It's zero. None of the above. Okay. Uh, finally, to golf. The Masters are coming. Finally. The best, the best golfers in the world are getting their invitations through the mail from Augusta National. One of the expected recipients of an invitation is Scott Stallings. He's a three-time yeah. PGA Tour winner, ranked 54th in the world. He didn't get one. A different Scott Stallings, a 60-year-old real estate agent from Georgia, did. That Stallings, who, along with his wife Jenny, are, quote, very casual golfers, end quote, reached out to the professional Stallings on Instagram and arranged to get the invitation mailed to him. Kyle, what do you make of all of this? Scott Stallings should be able to play. Uh, he should be, at the very least, he should be able to play in the par three uh, tournament. Um, if Jenny Stallings wants to uh, caddy or if he has another person, it's the problem is it's the most conservative, most traditional, most uptight uh, old uh, tournament ever. And that's why we like it. But they should have, both Scott Stallings should be allowed to play. You send him an invite, he's a casual golfer, at the very least around at the, at the Masters, or, 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 at Augusta. At the very least, he and his wife, they get the two first class tickets, you come in, you play around, you the amen corner, you do the bridge and the, you know, the Ray's Creek and the Dogwoods and the Butler Cabin and the creaky floorboard. You get to do that whole experience. You were invited to the Masters. That, that, that's, you get to go. Now, I'll tell you what. If they announce that that's going to happen, you know who I want coming in? 
This is when Live Golf comes in and says, no, 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 no. We want fake Scott Stallings. We are prepared to pay him $36 million in illicitly gained funds to just one-up the Masters and the PGA. That's when Live comes in and maybe a little bit of goodwill. They could probably use some positive PR at this point. Scott Stallings, what's her name, Jenny? I think I messed his wife's name up. She, they come in, they're casual golfers, and next thing you know, they're in a foursome with Greg Norman, whoever other mercenary, I mean, golfers come in to take that money. That's what I'm into. He should, at, le at the very least, he should be able to come to Augusta National, and I think he should be able to play the Masters. I don't care. What do you think, Flynn? Uh, I love that. Uh, you were right on the name. It is Jenny. I would hope that the professional Scott Stallings would bring in the uh, not professional, professional real estate agent yes. Scott Stallings. Um, but I love your live golf take. It's like the old school, like Monday Night Wars of WWE and yeah. WCW, where you get like the good wrestler, and then like the following week, the other company would bring in like a guy with a little bit different name, and he'd just be crap. Yep. It was amazing. That's how you do it. And. Yeah. Either Liv takes them, like you're saying, or it's like, first up in the tee box, Scott Stallings, the realtor. And can you imagine if he stepped in and he's got his like whatever crappy clubs that he got at Dick's Sporting Goods, and it, what if he just uncorks one 265 down the fairway, basically go nuts, and then he would finish with a nine on the hole because it's that hard and the greens are tough. But um, they should do it. At very least, I want him on. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not going to settle. I don't want him over the rope. He should be able to play around at Augusta National. He got an invitation. I, I don't know if there's any, uh, like, is there another Charles Schwartzel out there who got his invitation or maybe some of the lesser known guys? That would be fun too, because I'm sure there's like someone out there who is named Rory McElroy or who is named whoever the hell, whatever the hell golfer you want. Those people are pissed right now. Yeah. Uh, how about the actual mailing of an invitation yeah is, is that how they do it is do they it do is. they bring it on horse and buggy it probably is right <laughs> it is uh i did some uh since 1934 players have been asked to rsvp to the mailed invitations and they still do that tiger woods is rsvp and it's like do you pick ch chicken or beef and a plus one all that nonsense <laughs> i guess so all right well listen Scott Stallings, the realtor, should be able to come to Augusta National. Meanwhile, there's, there's some guy who works in a pet store named Jordan Spieth who's like, where was my invite? I'll come play anytime you want. And I hope Scott Stallings just absolutely rips one. Uh, just right, never mind 270. 305, hits a nice roll, maybe into the second cut. And it, they just, it, Sir Nick Faldo just loves him from wherever the hell he is. Uh, Flynn, if you had to tee off at number one on Augusta, how would it go? No, not well. Horrible golfer. I can hold, hold. I can hold my own in mini golf. Real golf, absolutely not. Would you make contact with the ball? No. <laughs> with the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so right so bad. Depressive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, when they do the Augusta National uh, hole with a clown's mouth in it and a windmill, you have to hit it through. <laughs> You'll be my guy. I get in the green jacket. Thanks, Flint. We'll see you tomorrow, man. That's Brand's nice. awareness. And we end with a dart throw. By the way, let's go to Skycam. Have you seen that electric darts clip? We should do it on the show tomorrow. They, there's, in professional darts, there was some insane thing that happened where I was watching these pros and they aim, they aim for the triple 20. And I don't know the guy's name, but like he hit dang, 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 three in a row in that tiny little spot for some sort of crazy walk-off win. And then he was like, he was Michael Jordan over Craig Elos. It was an electric darts clip. I saw it, I think it was at Barstool or somebody had it. Uh, but I'll try that right now. I'm gonna try to hit a bullseye because if I hit a bullseye, 
I get to end the show. If I don't, I have to do more work. Let's see. And my throw is, no, that's like four inches from a bullseye. That's a 13. What's topic number 13 on the show? I've not seen any of these topics. I never do. I don't hear them until you do. Are you superstitious? Well, this is when I'm supposed to be all funny and memey and say, I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious, though. It all comes back to the office. The office runs the World Wide Web. Didn't we do this topic before? Flynn, are you recycling topics on me now? I feel like we did superstitious. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a fake show? We did a fake show? You didn't even tell me? Um, you said we did it was a superstitious and a fake show. I think I gave a terrible answer for the fake show. So naturally, let's regurgitate it and put it in the real show. Not, not really. When, when I was an athlete, I would always listen to the same songs, um, pregame, that type of stuff. But I don't, I, I don't um, have like stupid little rituals or anything before. The, I probably do. I don't even realize it. Listen, when I get to work, in, when I get to work in the morning every single day, five times a week, on and on and on, month after month, almost seven years now, good morning football. I have three, exactly three hard boiled eggs, no yolk, and I have uh, like a little dish of berries, there's blueberry and strawberry. Every day. I never change, I never have four eggs or two, and I never go with a banana or something. Every single day. And honestly, when it comes to a superstitious, if they didn't have it, or they were out one day, I would probably freak out. And so like, those are my little things. That's my dumb superstition. And that's how I start it. Um, I got to learn to hit a bullseye on that. I promise this darts clip is amazing. We'll show it tomorrow. I hopefully anyway, guys, that's it from the basement. Really like being with you today. Thank you. Love you. Uh, please leave through the garage. Please exit through the garage. Please say goodbye through the garage and please close the door on your way out. Thank you. See you tomorrow.